0: Hey everybody, it's great to be alive, Jay Everline here, and I am back with part two of this idea of buy-in. I told you in the last episode, and I'm not going to recap the episode, but that essentially I didn't believe in buy-in, and I wanted to unpack a few other things um, that might help round out and answer some questions that I've already received um, about what I shared in the previous episode. So if you didn't have an opportunity to check out the previous episode about buying, go back and uh, check that episode out and that may give you some context uh, for um, what we'll be talking about today. Um, but just a, for a few minutes here, let me, let me kind of maybe answer a question. Um, There's some people who had some differences of opinion about you know, my position on this idea of buy-in. And I, I want to take a moment and maybe even uh, break down the the concept, the idea of buy-in. In and of itself, it assumes that someone has bought in. They have they have buy-in in the organization. And on the surface, if I'm very literal, what that means is that they have uh, purchased a stake in. The organization or in the company or on the team, they have put up collateral, put up money to have some form of ownership in the team, the business, the organization. And for the most part, with some exceptions, that's not necessarily the case. When I've heard people use that term, in no way, form, or fashion is there anyone on their team besides themselves. Um, that has actually put up some collateral, some money to actually have true buy-in in uh, the entity. And so one of the things that you just have to come to grips with is that if you are the executive director, CEO, maybe you're even the founder of your nonprofit, um, and for that matter, if you're the founder of your business um, or you know, your board member even, you know, asking people or expecting people to have the same degree of ownership as you do is a little bit unrealistic. Now, you have some exceptions. There will be some people, and I call these your A-team people, who have absolutely no buy-in. You don't give them any share in the company. They don't have a percent ownership in, in the in the team or anything like that. There's no collateral that they're going to get out of the deal. Um, and obviously in nonprofits, all the money goes back into the organization, so this doesn't apply. But I'm just using that concept to really drive this point home. Um, you, you have some exceptions, right? It's your A-team folks who really love and act like they are true owners, um, in which case you should cherish them. Um, and, and they are rare, and you should not take that for granted. But by and large, that is the exception and not the rule. Um, now, one of the things I want to break down really quick is that you, you have kind of levels of, of people on your team. You do have your A team players. You have your B team players. You know, I'm, a, I'm an old collegiate football guy and, so, uh, and, and uh, high school uh, and middle school, and we used to have what we call A, a team and B team. Um, and if if it was really bad, we had a C team. Uh, so you got your A team players, your B team players and your C team players. Uh, your A team players are those that I mentioned. They're, they're very high performing people. And then your B team players, they're OK. You know, they can get the job done, but they're not the star, uh, if you will. And then you got your C team players. And I don't mean to hurt anybody's feeling, but um, they just need a lot of work. Uh, they need a lot of work, and, and uh, in some cases, they're not pulling their weight. You know, I, And again, I want to drive this point home because we talked about have you set clear expectations, and then secondly, are you holding people accountable? You know, one of the things that I do, and I encourage you to do and you to consider, which is why you're even asking this question about buy-in, is to make sure you only have A-team and B-team players on your team. I'm sorry, but... Um, in sports, it was cool, you know. You had C team players or whatnot, and trying to give them an opportunity to grow their skills and all that kind of stuff. On your team, the livelihood, the success, thriving of your team is reliant on you only having A team and B team players. I'm okay. Obviously, I'm okay with A teams, A team players. I'm also okay with B team players. The core of your team is gonna be a B team player. These are folks that show up. Uh, they get the job done. Um, you don't have to, you know, spend a whole lot of time uh, coaching them on basic expectations that you've set out. They follow the expectations, but by and large, they're not going to be like your A team players who really take that extra step. They do extra, extra, extra everything, um, and and so and that's okay right? The old adage of, you know, you need to have some Indians uh, not everybody can be a chief is really true. And so you have to have that balance. C team players, if you have any on your team, and let me tell you what they look like, they drain you. They suck the life out of your team. They suck time away from you they don't get projects done on time they you know show up late to whatever the case may be they just don't get it done they don't follow through on the expectations they don't take a personal accountability when they make a mistake they don't own up to that mistake i mean i could give you a number of different adjectives and descriptions for what CTC c team players look like And at the end of the day, if you have any C-team players on your team, I can tell you right now that you are not doing the second part of why you're asking the question of buy-in, and that is holding them accountable. And for that, you are responsible. And so move the C-team players out. I said in the last episode, give them the gift of finding another place to perform at that level, but it can't be on your team. Why? Because the constituents, your stakeholders, your customers, your clients, the people who rely on you to serve them, they're counting on you to perform at a high level. And what happens is you spend all of your time and energy focused on the C team players that the A team players and the B team players are ignored. And rather than you spending your time on trying to make things better and trying to move to the next level, you're spending your time on these knuckleheads, these C-team players that can't quite figure out how to get it done. And hey, love them as people, but on my team, (laughs) that's what you call a no. Um, And so I will do my part and help them as, as well as the rest of my team be successful in life by asking them, to find another place to spend their time, and so, um, so the, so that kind of answers this question, you know, uh, around buy-in and and that sort of thing. Um, I just really want you as a leader to be as successful as you can possibly be, and success looks like, tastes like, and smells like a lot of different things just based on what your goals and objectives are. But at the end of the day, whatever, however you define success, the only way you're going to get that done is to do the two things that we have talked about this far, and that is have clear expectations and hold people accountable. And so with that, I'll close out this episode. Just had a few, few opportunities, few questions that came in. I wanted to answer that. And uh, I hope this has been helpful. Again, I welcome your feedback and your input. I'm thrilled that you um, have already started to respond to this new platform, this new approach that we're trying to take uh, to help make a difference, make an impact in your life so that you can then, and your leadership, and and the way you build culture, an effective culture on your team, um, that your constituents, your clients, your customers, those you are privileged to serve will get the greatest output from your team as possible. And so with that, as always, let's go make an impact.